What's up, everybody? Thanks for returning to the Deer Vein Podcast. Today, I have a friend of mine that I've kind of known, would you say, Eric, professionally for the last, like, t- almost 10 years. I was thinking about yeah. it earlier today. Yeah. It's, it's been a while <laughs> through uh, social media, through BHA, Pine Nights, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, yeah, I got Eric Barber with me, and Eric has been kind of in the hunting industry since college, so started out at uh, Midwest Whitetail, jumped to the Wisconsin DNR, and now he's at Vortex right now, and he's been sponsored, and now he's on the other side giving sponsorships, and then also he's had some phenomenal deer seasons the last couple of years, especially 2018. He knocked down, was it four bucks that year? Yeah, yep. Oh, yeah, four, four bucks, four nice deer. And uh, so, Eric, I feel like, you know, on social media and stuff, you're you're kind of one of those guys that you're in the know all the time. You feel like you really understand, like, kind of what's going around and what's in the industry, but you're not, you're not like a front and center, like, you know, social media star. Does that sound, does that sound about right? That is spot on. And that's all by design, yeah. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be out there running around. Yep, I feel like absolutely. you're kind of... Yeah. No, if, if you want, I feel like that if you want to like hone your craft on being, you know, like a, like a marketing, a, a marketing master and stuff like that, you're not out, you know, trying to promote everything, uh, via like you, you know, like you don't yeah. want Eric Barber to be this, you know, professional celebrity hunting guy. You want to be like, Hey, I can make somebody else phenomenal or I can make more like where you're at Vortex right now. Like I can make Vortex phenomenal, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you 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 hit that right on the head for sure. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's hop into kind of like your hunting past. Like tell people, kind of build a, build a little bit of credibility. Like with me, you have a ton of credibility just because I've known you for ten years and I know yeah. what you've done, what you've been through, and, and everything. But for anybody listening, has no idea. Uh, tell people about kind of your past, where you started. And, yeah, uh, so to today. Definitely, definitely. So I, I started out, you know, like you mentioned, um, right out of college. I graduated college in 2014, but starting in 2013, I started, uh, started working at Midwest Whitetail down in southern Iowa. Um, and my role there is in, in 2013, I started as an intern. And that was everything from like filming hunts, editing hunts, and basically a content create creator video editor, producer, all that stuff. And um, that was where, you know, my, like, I, I hunted, grew up hunting my whole life. I mean, going back to when I was eight years old, taking along with my dad. But uh, once I got down there and started working at, at Midwest Whitetail with the guys that are now at the hunting public, I really started to just kind of, like, soak things up, you know. And I was just a sponge learning from those guys, not only professionally, but also from, like, a hunting standpoint. And uh spent about five years working for uh the Midwest Whitetail crew. Um I worked there from two thousand thirteen to uh man, that was late twenty seventeen or early twenty eighteen, I believe. And uh anyways then um yeah. uh you know, I basically when I lived in Iowa it was all I hunted a, a couple small properties, I hunted um, you know, some public land and had some pretty good success down there. And really, once things really shifted for me were when I uh, moved back up to Wisconsin in early 2018. And, you know, I kind of, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, but once I moved back up here, I 
relocated into the Madison area, and that wasn't where I was from, so I was kind of on a blank, you know, totally fresh slate. And uh, you <laughs> know, it's you, just kind of, why'd you come up to? Why'd you why'd you leave Iowa? I mean, it's the deer hunting mecca, man. Being yeah, a resident man. in Iowa. It is. That's a great question. It was, you know, it was one of those things. My wife and I had been married for probably, well, a couple of years at that time. Um, and I was just kind of looking for another opportunity. And uh, we'll, we'll get into this for sure, but I ended up finding a job at the Wisconsin uh, Department of Natural Resources um, that okay. I just kind of threw my name in the hat for. And uh, not like, you know, I threw my name in the hat super last minute. Literally, it was the day that the job application was going to end. You know, like it was the, <laughs> the end of the hiring window. And I'm like, well, yeah. what the heck, just see what happens here. Ended up getting that job, and that was the social media manager of the uh, Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, upon accepting that, moved awesome. up to, yeah, yeah. You know, it, was, it was a great change for sure, but ended up moving up to Madison. That gave me a total blank, fresh slate of hunting and really kind of tested me a lot. Um, had no connections in the area. I just started scouting different pieces of the public and uh, bounced around. And, you know, like you mentioned, had an awesome year that year. Uh, you know, a lot of that is due to luck, but a lot of that is just due to, you know, hard work and putting in a lot of time scouting. And, you know, now ever since then, I mean, I would say over the past probably four or five years, I've been doing nothing but kind of the DIY public land uh, run and gun style of bow hunting and I couldn't be any more satisfied and again like um I couldn't enjoy hunting any more than I do right now, I guess is kinda of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I mean from from what I understand from your social media posts and just staying in touch every now and then, it seems like, you know, the scouting of course obviously is paying off and uh and you're doing well, like you're capitalizing on your all your opportunities. I remember asking you after your 2018 season, I was like, man, what'd you like, what'd you do different? And you said, literally nothing. <laughs> like, I was just out there and it yep. just all came together. Like every opportunity you had, you closed. Exactly. Exactly, man. I mean, and that's, so, that's so huge because there have been so many years that, you know, I've had them, everyone's had them where you just don't close on those opportunities. You know, you might have, you might have a year where you get, you know, three or four different, you know, shooter bucks or target bucks in range, and maybe something goes wrong on, on each one of those, and you end up with nothing. But, like, that year that, you know, we were kind of talking about earlier before we hit the record button, in 2018, just all of those opportunities, I ended up getting those, and every single one of them I was able to capitalize on. So, yeah, it's right. crazy yeah. how that works out. You're going to have those years, but you're also going to have the other side of the coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's been my year so far. It's, I've had you know, two opportunities at Nice Bucks and two no no shots, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, and if you think about it, like you had four opportunities and you close, you capitalized four times. Most people yep. in the typical season get, you know, two, three, four opportunities. And it's just right. it's, the hardest part is that last, you know, 50 yards from when you see them to when you don't shoot them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot that goes on in that, in that time. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard other folks talk about this and yeah, it's one thing that I feel pretty strongly about too. You know, it's one of those things where you don't just go from thinking about getting into bow hunting to like becoming a proficient bow hunter. And, 
you know, there's uh, there's definitely a learning curve there. And, you know, I think a lot of people kind of see, you know, you log on to social media any day in November and you swear there's a, a Pope and Young Buck behind every tree. You know, and, and that, that, that's yeah. just kind of the reality. You go out there, you put your time in, you're going to end up getting one of those. And that if you're not holding out, maybe you're doing something wrong. But that's certainly not the case. You know, like you become proficient in that crunch time by uh, um, capitalizing on the, on opportunities. And that, you know, whether that's, you know, shooting does, putting meat in the freezer that way, you know, or just shooting whatever the first legal buck is that makes you happy. You know, like it's not all about yeah. Uh, shooting the the next you know state record or anything like that. I mean, I've shot. I've got a, a, a you know a little like barn board here in my house that has a bunch of bucks in that. Like, I mean, they're just a, a bunch of basket basket rack bucks, and I couldn't be any more proud of all of those. You know, so there's something to be said, I think, for capitalizing on that and taking advantage of opportunities you're given. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with that, man. Uh, and it's 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 interesting to me just that like people will see everything that's going on on Instagram or like you know the the what is it the the rut report yeah yeah that Facebook page and when you think about that like say there's in November there's 15 bucks posted on that a day like there's 530,000 hunters in Wisconsin and mm-hmm. 100. 70,000 are bow hunters and you're seeing, you know, a hundred bucks posted and right. you're like, damn, there must be bucks everywhere. And, and, and that's less than 1%. Yep. You yep. know, that so, the perfect context <laughs> for that. Yeah. Like I always, I always remind myself of that. Cause you know, when you go out West, people are like, Oh, that out tag is like a 4% success rate or a 5% or a, you know, a 7% success unit or something like that. And then yeah. I tried, I was like, dude, do people even talk in Wisconsin about that? Cause I'm pretty sure it's less than 1% to kill, you know, a buck over 120 inches. Yeah. Like it's way down. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah, what everyone kind of, that's, that's kind of my marker is in, in just my own personal, you know, imposed kind of, uh, size of a deer that I want is a, a three and a half year old that's over you know, 120. That's just my yep. personal preference. Uh, and that's what, you know, cause I used to be like, man, I went like five or six years without killing a buck because I was like 150 or die. Yeah. And I yeah. just ate tags over and over again. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Like I have two deer on the wall. Why am I trying to shoot the biggest thing in the world? Why don't I just get, you know, 10 bucks under my belt? Because you know, you, you never, you never see these 150s and then you think like, oh, I can, I can shoot that. And the second you see one step out, you just fall apart and your bow yeah. shakes worse than a leaf and in a 20 mile an hour wind and you don't know what to do and you're going to miss anyway. <laughs> Man, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and, and I know we'll get into this even further, but I know like speaking from like my personal experience, like at the end of, at the end of my time at Midwest Whitetail, I love my job. I love the guys that I work with. I mean, those guys still are brothers and people that I not only, like, have a personal relationship with, but I'm fortunate enough through my connections at Mortex to have a professional relationship with those guys as well. But, yeah, from from a standpoint of, like, consuming content and being in the hunting industry of on a content creator's standpoint, 
I was getting so burnt out on hunting because literally for a job, I was watching people shoot these, you know, bucks that were deer that, that as a kid, I, I never could have dreamed of, you know, and I was getting to the point where like these, these, what once would have been once in a lifetime deer to me were just, uh, I was numb to it, you know, and when I finally stepped away from that, you know, got away from my job as an editor and, and, and producing video footage, it was so kind of sobering to be able to sit up in a tree with zero expectations, no camera over my shoulder or anything like that, and just have the mindset of whatever comes in, if I want to shoot it, I'm going to shoot it, and if not, you know, I'm going to make that decision, and I'm going to be super happy with it either way. And uh, that was an awesome kind of shift for me, not only professionally, but also as a hunter. And really yeah. reinvigorated that, like, that, uh, I guess that hunting spirit, you know, like the, the spirit of us as a hunter, you know, the reason why we go out there really reinvigorated that into me a lot. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said. And like I mentioned, we're definitely going to probably get into this more, but there's a lot to be said about consuming too much of some of that content. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, it distorts your reality. It's, like, yeah. just in general, like, in life, you know? I mean, Facebook, nobody posts the awful days. You know, they only yeah. post the awesome things. So people think that everybody has this glamorous life and they need to live this glamorous life when really everybody has their demons, everybody has their problems, everybody oh, has, you know, things that aren't good. It's just, like, people don't share that on Facebook. People want people to to think that they're amazing. And it's yep. the same, you know, the same with Instagram, like, Oh my God, like I follow some, uh, fitness people in, in, yeah. on Instagram and that's just like, can you say vain? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh dude. Social media as a whole is just very aspirational, which is awesome because it does inspire people to do great things. I mean, it inspires me, it inspires everybody. But like you said, the, the people that are, the, 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 the posts that are getting seen by people are the tip of the iceberg. You know, in, in 2017, I literally had my boots taken off my feet in a marsh, and to this day, they're still in that marsh. And that's just something <laughs> that never made it onto social media. You know, it's a deal where I got lost in a swamp, and next thing you know, I was in up over my waist, and I was wearing rubber boots that filled up with water. They literally came off my feet. And But at the end of that season, people see, oh, man, this guy, you know, had a great season, killed a nice buck, whatever, but they don't see the fact that, you know, you literally got stuck in a marsh and lost your boots, you know? <laughs> right. So it's, it's just funny. I mean, that's what's so cool about, about oh, yeah. that is the cool thing about our industry and social media as a whole is, um, you know, like it is all about context. And if you can truly tell that story, like so many, you know, people are very, very talented storytellers. Those are the folks that are really rising to the top today. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, one of the things that I got that I have in mind for next next season, 2020 season, is with all my posts, like uh, you know when I'm in a tree stand or whatever it is, I'm gonna log my hours because that's yeah. one thing people only see that deer at the end. They don't yep. see that you were in the tree stand for 130 hours. Yeah, you know, or whatever it is. It's not like you just walk out there and shoot one. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's only the hunting side of things. You know, that's not to mention the scouting. That's not to mention your map scouting at home. I mean, you know, right. 
that, that's what's great about hunting is it is what you make it and you can you can dabble in it as heavily or as lightly as you want and there's nothing wrong with either side of that coin yeah yeah exactly no I think yeah and I have friends who just you know they have private property and they have a friend that that owns it and they just roll in and hop in their buddy goes go sit in this tree stand and they shoot you know a, a decent buck or they shoot a doe or whatever and they're like, Anthony, how come How come I just, you know, they give me shit. They're like, hey, yeah. man, I just go out there and shoot one every time. Why do you, like, why do you struggle so much? <laughs> He's like, yep, yep. so hard. And I'm like, well, you see here, <laughs> I don't yeah. have those same opportunities. Because that's another thing is uh, that, I've, that I've come to realize is some people just have premium property. Absolutely. And if you have a premium property, like, you can knock down a great buck every year. But if you're you know, hot in public or you have a piece of private that's new and it's not a premium piece and it's managed more for ag than anything else. Or you have, you know, maybe you have a piece of private that's a hundred acres, but you have nine other guys hunting it, you know, or something like, you know, everybody's different and everybody has different scenarios. And that's another thing a lot of people don't realize is just, you know, the amount of different scenarios that can go on that cause people to be successful or unsuccessful. Everybody has their own, their own thing. But, uh, yep. okay, I'm going to keep moving us forward here. So we yep. got, we got real, real sidetracked there. So you were at the DMR <laughs> yep. and you're doing social media there. And then yep. you, now you're at Vortex. So how, how yeah. did you get to Vortex? So I, uh, like, like you mentioned, I spent a year working at the Wisconsin DNR. Um, and I, I knew kind of right away. I, I loved what I did at the I mean, I, I still to this day say like the, the people I work with at, at the department are some of the most passionate like conservationists and hunters that I've ever met. And and you know, that's the way it should be. I mean, it's a state agency for crying out loud. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, like you I don't not out there to take away our deer herd. Air? <laughs> I think that I think that's plot, what they're doing, man. Plot twist. <laughs> Plot twist: We're not dropping cougars out of helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you but, you did put out 400 wolves in Wisconsin last year, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's there's a uh, actual footage of people taking them out of dog kennels. It's out there. Just gotta look hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be careful with how you say that because you never know if someone's actually gonna believe that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's a joke, everybody. Though. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, as, as soon as I got to. Uh, uh, DNR, you know, I re- I enjoyed it right off the, off the bat, um, but you know, I, I spent the first whatever that was five years after college working directly in the the hunting and and kind of like outdoors industry, and uh, getting into um, the DNR, I saw a side that was you know a little bit less appealing to me from not only how how politics factor into, you know, wildlife management and all that stuff. And it, it, it was getting to a point, you know, even just after a year where I was wanting a, a fresh start and something where, you know, I could uh, get back into my strong suit. You know, I, I was, um, all, I've always been, you know, I've looked at myself as somebody who is talented at like content creation and understands marketing. And I mean, that's what I went to college for and, and at the end of the day, I wanted to do what I was good at. Um, so sure. I kind of narrowed it down to, like, different, um, uh, you know, I just started kind of looking for stuff that was out there. And Vortex was the, 
uh, far and away favorite for me. I mean, even back when I was at Midwest Whitetail, before I ever went to DNR, I, was, I had Vortex was on my radar. I had kind of always monitored their job board. I've always heard nothing but great things about the company, you know, not only how they treat employees, but how they treat customers. And I'm a pretty firm believer in that, you know, there's a, there's always a trickle-down effect at the, at the businesses and companies that um, rise to the top. You know, I feel like if you take any of the, the regardless of industry, if you take some of the best um, businesses out there, and if you look at the way that they do business and the way that they treat customers and the way that they treat their employees, take the bottom line out of the equation and that you're probably going to have a, a workplace that's a very positive one. And that was obviously my um, – that was my two cents without really being inside. You know, I was just assuming that. Um, and I had always monitored the job board. Finally, I found this position that I'm in now that I applied for back in April of 2018 and uh, got that job. And I've been, been at Vortex since. And, you know, now I'm doing social media there do a lot of work with our uh, our brand ambassadors and, and our, our partners that, that we work with. Um, so it's been an awesome fit. You know, it's been something that um, has really allowed me to kind of grow professionally. And it's a, it's a challenging job. It's a fast-paced job. Um, but it's one that I, I love very, very much. I love the company. I love going to work every day. And there's something to be said about working with people that when you get into work every day, you know you're working along alongside friends and not alongside coworkers. You know, there's a big difference there, and and I'm, I couldn't be more fortunate to like work alongside people that I call my friend, and, and they're not just coworkers to me. So it's it's an awesome, awesome place. Yeah, no, that does that does sound really nice. I have a pretty I have a pretty similar setup, but uh, I grew up and my dad started a, a lighting company when I was 13. And I've been working there pretty much my whole life. Uh, I tell people yeah. I was real, I was cheap child labor to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I uh, hear you. So, yeah, I got out of college and, and kept working for them. And, uh, yeah, now I, but all the people there I've known pretty much my whole life as well. So it's, it's a great atmosphere when, like you said, you don't, you're not walking into like, oh man, I got to deal with, you know, Tim today or I got to deal with, Johnny or, or Jennifer yeah. or whatever, you're like, oh, what's up? What's up, man? What's up, Greg? What's up, Tom? How you doing, dude? Good to see yeah. you. Like, it's just a, a good a good deal there. So, oh, absolutely. So at, at at Vortex, and for anybody who doesn't know, it's Vortex Optics. They make binos. You want to you want to give the pitch, Eric? You work there. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so, so, you know, we make rifle scopes, uh, sport optics, essentially. So everything from right up rifle scopes. Rangefinders, binoculars, spotting scope, um, red dots—you know the whole gamut. There, if it's if it's an optic, there's a good chance Vortex dabbles in it. And uh, kind of the 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 secret sauce that really isn't a secret, so to speak, is just kind of how Vortex treats their customers. I touched on that. Like Vortex has really been kind of known for their their warranty and and how they help out customers. So what what really separates Vortex kind of from the past? Is, uh, you know, like if you have a Vortex product, literally, you know, I'm, I'm, you can use a hat as an example. If it bears the Vortex logo, it is protected by the VIP warranty. And the warranty is less a warranty, more of a promise. And that promise is that if something 
goes wrong with your gear, whether it's your fault, whether it's my fault or, you know, or Vortex's fault, whatever, we don't care. We've got your back. And that's just kind of the mentality that Vortex takes. So it's pretty cool um, working for a company that, that puts out products that, you know, hunters and shooters and, and people are enjoying the outdoors put to good use, knowing that they can use it to the full extent of the product and that it's still going to be covered if something goes wrong with it. Yeah. No, for sure. I had that. So I had a, I have an AR and I have a, God, I can't remember the name of the scope off the top of my head. Uh, but I had the, the caps came off of it. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it, it was, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it had a, it had a battery and the caps were on it and they all okay. like, I took it on a hunt. All of them fell off. And one day when I was driving by, I saw Vortexes in Barneveld, Wisconsin, and land that I hunt is around that area as well. So I was driving by, I just rolled in, I said, hey, like, here's my gun, my caps fell off on all this stuff, can you guys, do I, can I just grab some new ones or something? And they were like, oh yeah, come on, come, just, yeah, give us the gun, we'll be right back. And he actually came back out with a brand new, uh, and see this, I'm terrible with rifles. But he yeah. came out in scopes as well. But he came out with a brand new, what is it, a turret on top. Yep. He's like, hey, we just put a brand new one on for you because that one was, you know, two years old or whatever. This one's brand new. It's good to go. Here's new caps. Have a nice day. No, no receipt, no BS, no nothing. Just yeah. walked in, gave them it. They came back five minutes later. Everything was fixed. I was like, well, that's pretty cool, like, man. And then I ended yep. up buying, yep, buying a couple shirts and stuff there, playing with the – so – for people who've never been, Vortex built a brand new facility, and uh, they have these uh, they have this huge bay of glass windows that look out over like really nice rolling hills. Yeah. I don't, I mean, how far can you see? It's probably a couple thousand yards. Oh, absolutely! I wish I knew yeah. the exact exact distance. One of the guys I work with, he's he's dabbled with our rangefinders so much that he literally knows the exact distance at which you cannot see anymore. I don't I, I don't know that offhand, but yeah, I mean you can it's it's a beautiful landscape that the the campus sits on. Yeah. The lady the lady up front told me that after that was built and within a few weeks a couple of the neighbors that were out there a couple thousand yards came in. They're like, Hey, just wanna see what you can see of my house <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so they had this really nice like showroom and everything, you go in there, but but yeah, I you know, I've taken advantage of that warranty, and I can I can attest to it. So, yeah, I mean, I like the rangefinder. I like the I like the uh, scopes that I have. I have a rifle scope, and then that AR scope as well. Uh, and yeah, I got nothing but good things to say about them. Awesome, good deal. So, so okay, so to get into kind of the the nitty gritty, what I yep. think people might want to hear here is sponsorships. Yep, a lot of people are really interested in sponsorships growing and starting and becoming, you know, hunting famous, whatever you want to call it. And it's kind of how you, like, at Midwest Whitetail, you kind of told me you were you were sponsored by default, so you worked with people that you were getting products from. Plus, yep. And for anybody who doesn't know, that's how we met, because I had to send all my yep. videos to Eric, and then Eric had to edit them and post them uh, yep. for the, all of those deer kills that I that I didn't have, but some I <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so you, you were sponsored there and now working at Vortex, like you said, you work with the brand ambassadors, you kind of get to go through the process of giving out sponsorships as well. 
And yeah. in, uh, in full disclosure for everybody, I did apply for a sponsorship through Vortex this year. And knowing Eric, Eric was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll pass on your information. He goes, I know you, so I'm out of the equation, which I found very professional. Like, don't worry. Like, you know, I'll give it to the team. We'll see what you think. And I was, I was turned down, which is, yep. you know, no hard feelings whatsoever, dude. I, I totally understand there's, there's a lot of people who want it. And, uh, and I just need to, it just tells me I need to get, get better at photography, get better at my craft, which is, yep. you know, totally like fine. I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me. It just helps me work harder and, and work, you know, more and take more photos right. and get better at what I do. Um, but, uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that. What do you, uh, what do you think people, so if people want to get sponsored or if this is for Vortex, but also like pretty much any, any, uh, you know, company in the hunting industry, if you're applying for a sponsorship or you would like, you know, some product or a discount or something like that, what do you think, Eric, what do you think uh, people need to do? And then also, what do you think people do wrong a lot? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. No, that's, that's a great question. I mean, it sets it up really well because from a, you know, okay, so, so to, to kind of take that as a, a couple multi-part answer, you know, the first part is you look at sponsorships as a whole. Like a sponsorship, in my opinion, is an exchange of monetary compensation in exchange for specific deliverables that, that, uh, that help a brand out. So, you know, for example, let, let's just use a, uh, somebody who's a really talented photographer. They may get sponsored, and I'll, I'll address the word sponsored here in a minute because I have some thoughts on that as well. But they may get they may get sponsored yeah. by by a company, and uh, you know, as part of their deliverables, maybe they're uploading ten ten photos via a Dropbox or something like that every month out of the year in exchange for a monetary compensation. So now then that, that is just one of the deliverables that gets kind of hashed out to that person. So. The, the key thing to note there is it's a, it's a two-way street. You know, it's, I always, I always use the terminology mutually beneficial relationship. We want, you know, we as a, as a, a manufacturer, whether that's Vortex, whether that's, you know, even going back to at, at Midwest Whitetail when we were accepting pro staff applications for, for folks who wanted to submit video footage, we want that to be mutually beneficial. So by that, I mean, we want obviously, Somebody who represents us well and and fits uh, is on brand for Vortex is a steward of the same beliefs and values that Vortex holds. But then in the same vein, we because that person lines up so well with them, we can leverage our platforms and we can help that person grow and succeed and uh, meet their personal goals. You know, so so one of the conversations that we always have is we want to know what the the potential partners goals are just as much as the partner wants to know what us as as a manufacturer and and marketing team what our goals are um and then kind of dovetailing into that you know so you, you have goals we have goals how those goals then align is what forms a, uh, a partnership. And I keep using the word partnership rather than sponsorship. So, like, a, a sponsorship just seems so old school to me. You know, it seems like, you know, that that's that's what happened back when we were watching uh, the, the awesome, and I'm not, I'm not poo-hooing it by any means, but, like, some of the older shows back in the 90s and early 2000s when, you, you know, you and I were growing up, you know, it was a, 
it was a, a sponsorship, in my opinion, is somebody who provides like a, a sales pitch, you know, and, and we, you know, and maybe Vortex is an, an anomaly in this case. And if that is, the, the, if that is indeed true, you know, I'm pretty happy that we are the exception that we don't really want people to be salespeople for us. You know, we want, we, we really pride ourselves on that soft sell and what we pride ourselves even more is working together towards a common goal. So a, a, a great example of that is um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at the, the ATA show, Archery Trade Association show in, in uh, Indianapolis. And um, my friends at the Hunting Public, who Vortex works with, they're, they're, the Hunting Public is a huge partner for Vortex. Well, Aaron uh, Warbritton um, gave uh, a couple of us on the marketing team a call and said, hey, we have uh, some projects that we're working on at, uh, at the upcoming ATA show, and it's addressing hunter, hunter recruitment and, uh, you know, basically the whole R3 movement, recruitment, retention, reactivation. And sure. we are, are hoping that we can get people, fill up this room and address some of the issues that are difficult to talk to. So that's that's a perfect example of a partnership. So we as Vortex, we're in that room. We're contributing to that discussion, and we're hoping that we can kind of better our community. You know, we as, as, as hunters, as brands, manufacturers, you name it, we're all in this together. And whether the goal is, you know, to increase a profit, which, you know, I would argue that that is less the goal and more of of a, a profit and bottom line is a is – a, uh, direct result of just an effort towards a, a common good. So whether that's an R3 movement or, you know, making hunter, hunting more accessible, educating people, or just empowering people to feel like, hey, you know, I, I didn't grow up hunting, for instance, and I want to give it a shot, and now I feel like I can do it because of X, Y, Z. So those are kind of the, yeah. the overarching themes that I think a lot of brands really key on, and you're seeing – you're seeing a, a shift right now in the, the hunting, shooting industry, I guess, where um, that is much more of an overarching goal because we're we're at a time where, um, you know, hunters and, and uh, anglers, you know, outdoors people, we're, we're making up a minority, quite frankly. We're a dying breed, man. It, exactly. And, and unless we can start thinking creatively about ways that we can work together and, and leverage each other, you know, we're going to continue to be that dying breed. So that's kind of the cool right. thing about where we're at right now. No, it's, yeah, that's, and that's kind of ties back into social media because for years so many people have just been like, uh, well, I don't care what, you know, for lack of a better word, I don't care what those liberal hippie vegetarians think. It doesn't matter. Like I'm going to post pictures of, you know, my bloody deer and, and all this stuff. And I don't care. And now right. people are really starting to realize, like, oh, shit, you can vote out, you know, grizzly bear hunting in Canada. Oh, shit, you can vote out to have wolves released, you know, not yep. necessarily vote in Colorado or Wisconsin, but, you know, those were appointed people and whatnot. But you voted for the people who appointed those people, you know, exactly. type, type of thing. And people are starting to realize, like, holy cow, our, our rights aren't just, you know, inherent. Like, people can actually take them away. Right. And, exactly. and that retention is, is huge. Totally. And if we are closed-minded, you know, like in that analogy that you just mentioned there, if we're ever closed-minded towards a certain demographic, 
we're shutting out half of the people, you know? Right. So rather, yeah, rather than sure. being exclusive, you know, and saying, oh, I only want more people like me, you know, take some time and really think about how you can bring somebody who might not have the same goals as you, who might not really be into hunting for the same reasons that you are. But, hey, what can we do together to to put another person on the ship? You know, it, at the end of the day, you know, we need more people on that ship. And if we're excluding a certain demographic or if we're close-minded towards our goals versus somebody else's, what really matters isn't that everybody is like-minded, but rather that we have people who care and are passionate about the hunt, the hunting and outdoors lifestyle. Right. Yeah, and, and are willing to support it like that. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Like, and that's one of the reasons why I like I even started Deer Vein in the first place was just to you know for me personally what the like it's hard enough to like get people to start hunting. But I had a few friends who started hunting, and then after a couple of years of failure, they quit. They're like, why yep. am I going to spend all this money and all this time? Because it's hard. Like, you're not successful your first couple of years. Like, we, you know, when we were growing up, being 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, like, there was zero pressure to be successful. Like, social media was just beginning. Like, there was no pressure. Like, you go out and you hunt and you, and you failed, and that was kind of the norm. But yeah. now people who get into it and they're like 23 years old, 24 years old, and they see everybody killing big bucks, they're like, oh, man, I'm if I can't do this in, you know, two or three years, like, what am I doing? Everybody else is doing great when, you know, back to what we said earlier, that's less than 1%. Yeah. So, yep. uh, but, yeah, that's, that's generally why I started to just kind of hopefully help people and those people in year two, three, and four that just haven't had that success yet. Yep, but, uh, exactly. But to jump and, and that – yeah, go ahead. No, just real quick. That's a great point because, you know, I, I write articles freelance for the Archery Trade Association. And one of the things that, you know, I was just chatting with somebody over there about is we have a huge foundation of 101 level content. You know, how to pick your how to pick your first bow, how to plan your first hunt, how to do this and that. And then we have a ton of content at the 401 level. So, like, how to pinpoint a buck's bedding area and set up the perfect uh, ambush point for a tree stand. But right. we don't have a whole lot of that intermediate stuff. And what we need to do as an industry is build a better bridge from the people who are just starting to the people who are at that, you know, like the hunting public, for instance, who are the people who are at that, that level of woodsmanship and have kind of perfected their craft. And that's what is neat is I think there is more focus on that and, with these right. tools like social media and all that, there, it, it, it's never had a bigger platform than it does today. Yeah, for sure. And those are the, like, when I get questions from people on Instagram, uh, that's, like, they're always looking at that 201, 301 level. Like, yes. You know, questions like, well, so the food, so this food source was cut and, or picked the other day, but then they, you know, just chopped all this. Where do you think the deer would go now? And it's October and it's pre-rut, but their scrapes aren't open yet. Like right. that's a that's an in-depth question that's not in, covered in a bow hunting 101, but it's not quite, you know, pinpointing an exact buck bed, you know, location yeah. and hunting. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, and sure. other ones like you know, questions right now are starting to roll in. Like, hey, does winter scouting actually help me for the fall? 
you know, or yeah. are the deer on a totally different pattern, or how does that all play out? And that, again, you know, is kind of that 201, 301 question that that people are just trying to figure out and get used to. Totally, totally. Um, okay, but let's uh, – so we talked a little bit about the the exchange. It's essentially back to sponsorship. It's an exchange of value, right? Like yep. they will give you this and you will give them this. It might be money. It might be gear. Like when someone comes to you and says, hey, man, like – uh, I'm just trying to think if, if I were somebody out there right now, which I, I guess I am. Like, if I were to come to you, I'll just use myself as an example, and to go, hey, Eric, like, I would like to give you 15 photos a month, and in exchange, I would like, you know, uh, a free pair of your best binos every year. Or, like, yep. is that is that what people need to come to you with, or they just want to go, hey, I want to be partnered with you guys what do you think you should give me? Or how does that, like, do you put a pitch together prehand and come up with what you think is an equal exchange of value? Or yeah. how does that work? No, that's a great question. And I think it, uh, it it kind of starts, I think, at a really grassroots level, you know, where, where you know, if you're seeking sponsorship, you got to be doing it for the right reasons. And it's, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, this generally, you know, people who, I think reach out uh, in most cases are copy blocking the same message and sending that to uh, several different brands in a specific category. Um, whereas sure. I think the people who really find success when it comes to seeking those partnerships is first and foremost, they're passionate about the product. So at Vortex, we have what we call Vortex Nation. Like Vortex Nation is everybody who embodies the Vortex brand. They're people who share our values. They are people who use our product um, and believe in the same things that, that Vortex does. And so first and foremost, if somebody reaches out and they're already a part of that Vortex Nation, and Vortex Nation isn't an exclusive thing. Anybody who, who falls in that bucket is, is just by association. They're part of Vortex Nation. Um, okay. And uh, so, so – uh, First and foremost, that's one thing we like to see. Are they passionate about our product, or are they just trying to fill a, a need for a specific category? Um, if they are, if, Ooh, if, wait. So just to back up there, fill, filling a need for a specific category. Um, for any, like I understand what you mean there, but somebody else might not. Like yep. if, if people are seeking <clears throat> partnerships, they might go out and be like, "Man, I need to get a bow partnership." So I exactly. want like Matthew Hoy PSE. Oh man, I need to get somebody to sponsor binos. Well, let me email Nikon and Leupold and you know Swarovski and Vortex and just see which one hits. Right? Yep, exactly. That's, kind of, That's okay. exactly what I mean by that. Yeah, and the other thing that yeah, you kind of mentioned is like you you have to own that person's product, right? Like you don't want people who post on Instagram and they have Swaro binos. Yet they're looking. They're like, "Hey, we love your product. Would you sponsor us?" Right. You only use Swirl. Right. And and, <laughs> and I, I use the the term like need lightly, you know, because I, you know, there's I guess there's there's two um, buckets that people can fall in. Some people are, uh, you know, like they're doing this for a living, and and those people I have tremendous respect for because I was in that space for a while when I worked at Midwest Whitetail. So. So at Midwest Whitetail, we needed we needed category fillers for each category. We we always had a bow sponsor, we had a broadhead sponsor, arrow. Run through the whole gamut of every product that you bring into the woods. Odds are 
we had a we had a partner for that. Um, and and I, I look at that a little bit different than I look at the um, you know let's say it's it's uh, something that that you know maybe the person isn't looking to, to pay their mortgage on you know but but maybe they're looking for a little bit of monetary support to put gas in their truck so they can go on their weekend hunting trip you know sure. I put those people in two different buckets because I can certainly understand and can really relate to the people who do need to fill categories and I know that sometimes right. partners change you know maybe. Uh, Maybe there's an employee turnover that somebody had a relationship at one brand with, and then that that results in their contract not being refilled, and uh, and that that yeah. ends that relationship, and then they're looking for another partner in that category. So I can understand that, and that's that's an exception certainly. Um, and then sure. we end up kind of evaluating the content, we evaluate the brand fit, and all of that stuff. But on the other hand, you know you. You've got, I, I, I almost call them like passion projects. I mean, that's kind of what I look at, what I do for the Archery Training Association. It's a passion project. You know, am I, am I paying my, my monthly expenses using the income that I make off freelance articles? Definitely not, but it's putting a little bit of gas in my truck so I can go and do some stuff on the weekend, you know, to, to, uh, fuel my passion. Um, sure. and that's, that's, I guess those are the, the categories that I look at there. So, when it comes to the people who are doing the passion project, it is a big help when they are kind of brand loyal a little bit from the get-go. And, you know, maybe start that relationship out by, um, you know, just interacting with the brand on social media. That's that's one thing, you know, because I think a lot of people overlook the fact that on the back side of that social media platform, there's a person. And that person is reading through that comment. It's not a computer, you know. Right. It's easy to think that we live in a very computerized society where people forget names, they forget personalities and all that stuff. But I can tell you, you know, just from my personal experience, that I know the people that message into Vortex on a regular basis, and I feel like I know them on a, on a personal level. I mean, there's one guy, his son is 13 years old, and he's an awesome wrestler, um, and I, I could tell you his name, you know, and it's because the guy just messages in the vortex. He loves the brand, and, it, and it's pretty cool to interact with with somebody that's truly just that passionate and, and enjoys the brand as a whole. So I think that's sure. a really good step is just starting to engage, starting to participate in some of the stuff that the brands have going on from a uh, unofficial partner standpoint, and then to kind of progress that. Um, you know, maybe start considering building like a, a media portfolio. If you are a photographer, I always use that as an example because that's kind of what I can relate to. But maybe you're a writer, maybe you're a videographer, whatever. Whatever it is that you do great, make a portfolio about that and approach it like a business case because at the end of the day, Vortex is a business. Just like whatever the partner is, is pitching, they're, they're running that as a business. So you wouldn't go to a job interview and just say, hey, I'd really like a job. Can I have it? You show up to that job interview and you say, "Hey, you know, based on all these, yeah, yeah, based on all these supporting facts on my resume, based on the person that I am and, and what I enjoy and who I am, this is why I feel I'd be a really great fit for you." So I that's think the more that people that's a great yeah, analogy. Exactly, I think the more that people can treat these these pitches, air quotes, so to speak, as they, as they would their job interview. Um, I think they're going to be in a, a much better place. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so 
so that would be that would kind of be like how you how you pitch to a company a little bit like take what you do best like you just said and then say hey here's what I can do and then here's what I'm thinking I I would want from you in return for doing this for you what do you guys think and then and then just see where the conversation goes exactly exactly okay. and the, yeah. the the cool thing there too is you know see where that conversation goes um and and also hold hold your value to yourself too, because if the brand, for instance, maybe maybe they just say yes right away and they didn't even really want to get to know you. That, in my opinion, might be a little bit of a red flag. You know, if sure. if somebody just says yes right away, now I'm kind of wondering, like, man, why was it that easy? You know, what's going on here? You know, I'd I'd like to ideally, if I'm on the, if the shoes on the other foot, I would like to see a personal phone conversation where I can really kind of meet somebody over the phone, express my, my thoughts and, and uh, kind of spitball ideas together. And if the opportunity ever comes up, you know, put a face to the name for that person. Make sure you're at, you know, a trade show, at a, you know, a, a local deer turkey expo or, or whatever it is. Maybe you're in the, the, the multi-gun or three-gun community and, you know, go to, those, go to those local matches and try to connect with somebody. Because the more active you are, in um in that community, you know, you're gonna build those relationships not only just through trying to approach a partnership, but you're gonna build relationships just by happenstance being in the same arena. Right. And I think that's like that that's a great lead in because one of my other pieces that I would think is is a huge part and it's something that I have to get a lot better at myself, but that is like developing person to person relationships. Because yeah. I can only imagine it's really hard to say yes or no to someone if you've never met them face-to-face or talked to them on a phone. Like, if it's only through email and Instagram, which a ton of people do nowadays, like, that's not – it's really hard to pick someone. It's like picking a girlfriend or a or a, or a wife or a, or a boyfriend or whatever it is yep. via, like, never meeting them. You're like, I don't know. They seem like a nice person. Yep, they have exactly. good content, but I, they might be a total asshole. They might just be a yep. mean person, but they do good work. So, like, I mean, for me personally, one of one of the things on my big agendas is is shot show and ATA just to go say, hey, I'm the guy that messages you all the time. Exactly. You know, and just saying, like, I am a real person, and I'm not weird. I'm an okay dude, you know, like, exactly. just having that relationship. And then, you know, as far as, like, what I do for a living in the, in the lighting world I touched on earlier is I do sales. And – it is very difficult for me to get a meeting with somebody or even get in the door with them via emails or even phone calls, really. It's difficult. But if I meet somebody in person, 95% of the time, I'm getting a meeting next week, you know, yep. just because they they feel comfortable. Like, it's it's a lot easier. Exactly, 100%. And that same same strategy applies to – the, the hunting partnership world, you know, the, like if you're trying to seek some kind of sponsored relationship, that's the same mentality that people should take. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, I mean, like you said, getting to those events and getting to those places where, you know, maybe it's just a, a total archery challenge or, yep. you know, a train to hunt or, you know, uh, maybe it's just a, like the Wisconsin Deer and Turkey Expo. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just that, you know, getting there to say, hi, I'm this person. And like you said, pe- there's real people on the other end of that screen. 
and they might yep. be like, oh, yeah, I remember messaging you back and forth. Yeah, how's your 13-year-old kid who wrestles all the time? You know, it's great to meet you in person, you know, yep. and, and stuff like that. So, uh, exactly. yeah, I, that's one of the things that I really got to gotta pick up on myself. But um, mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me what people do terrible. What is the wrong thing to do? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> The, the yeah, you, can, you, can give me, you can give me some. I know you've told me a, a, a couple of stories before, but yeah, what do you what do you think people do wrong? And then throw throw a story out there. Man, the the, the worst thing that people can do is is copy block from one. You know, like literally, you know, I'm I'm talking about. Hey, I'm thinking about starting. So so I'm gonna break this down sentence by sentence. Hey, I'm thinking about starting a. You know vlog, YouTube channel, whatever. Thinking about starting doesn't mean that it started. Come with an established <laughs> product. You know? It, yeah. you, you don't you don't go to um you don't go to a uh uh um a carpenter show and say, Hey I'm thinking about getting into carpentry. You want me to build your house? You know, I want to see <laughs> I want to see blueprints of things that you worked on in the past, you know? So yeah. have an established product. And, and I'm not saying it needs to be polished and be the best thing ever. Everybody has a place where they start from, but at least have something that you can show for. Um, and yeah, then, nobody wants to I'll, – I'll, can I just add to that real quick? Yeah, nobody yeah. wants to, to give anybody anything when they haven't even had the ambition to start it themselves. Exactly. And it doesn't cost, it doesn't cost them anything like – you know, recording on your phone and posting it doesn't cost you anything. But if you can't even do that before you have a sponsor, like get out, like get out of here. Like you're probably exactly. you're probably have an even once you get a sponsor. Yep, a you're exactly right. Yeah. And then you know, like to, to add to that, then even so, after that line, I'm thinking about starting a, a uh, whatever. Let's just say YouTube channel. Thinking about starting a YouTube channel. Um, can I get sponsored? You know, like literally, that might be the next sentence. So rather, rather than like dovetailing in what they can do, why they're, why they're reaching out, who they are, you know, introduce yourself. Say, you know, I am so and so and this is what I do and this is why I'm reaching out. I'm hoping that we can accomplish this, this and this. Um, these are some of the things that I've done in the past that I think you might be interested in. If you're interested in, uh, continuing this conversation, I'd love to set up a time to connect on the phone. And that's that's one thing that I I think um, also goes a really long way. If, if you put forward that um, oh man, I'm, what's what's the word? I'm kind of blanking on it. But if you put forward that ambition of saying, "Hey, I want to move this forward. I want to schedule a phone call where we can talk and per- you know verbally," um, I think that sure. helps a lot. So 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 be be aggressive and be ambitious, but don't um, don't be overconfident. I guess. Uh, nobody likes dealing with the people who come in and think that they have the next best thing to slice bread. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, and then, um, uh, two, you know, like don't, or I guess the third part of that is just to make sure that you're, you're articulating your message in a way that you would, uh, be receptive to somebody talking to you. So if, you know, if you're sending a one or two sentence email and, and expecting, something positive to come of that in the form of especially a monetary partnership, good luck. I mean, you, you might you <laughs> yeah. might get a response back that, that asks for more information, but, you know, it's, uh, in the same vein, it's just, it's, it's pretty hard because of the sheer volume of people that are seeking that. And that is one thing, you know, like not, not to beat a dead horse, but I, I am really proud of what we do at Vortex is 
there is not a single one of those requests that we get as great as they are, as bad as they are, that goes unread. Um, we have, we have folks <laughs> like myself and like the other, the other, uh, my friends that I work with that are on the receiving end of those. And every now and then we might get one that looks a little bit rough around the edges, but it causes everybody to turn around in their chair and huddle up and, uh, say, Hey, what do you guys think of this? And, you know, that's all it takes to find the next hunting public or the next, uh, Stephen Ranella is by getting people to turn around in their chair and have a conversation about what it is that you're doing. So approach people with a product that you're proud of and something that you think might turn heads and at least pique the curiosity of people. Sure. So you got you got to be able to stand out essentially. Yeah. Yep. I mean, shoot yeah. an email to the info at whatevercompany.com email address with a very vaguely worded email. And, uh, no portfolio, you know, it, uh, uh, there's never no chance, but you're just kind of, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors, I guess. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And when I, so when I went on, so what I, what I personally applied for with, uh, with Vortex, I did an elk hunt this year and I, I kind of pitched Vortex. I said, Hey guys, I'm going to be doing this elk hunt. Uh, I'm going to film the whole thing. I'm going to take a bunch of photos. If this looks satisfactory and if this looks good, would you guys consider, you know, a meeting to discuss further partnerships? Like, that's essentially what I put out there. And for that, I there's a there's a website called, uh, God, I think it's Carbon, Carbon, it's not Carbon TV, but that's what I got stuck in my head. But it's like Carbondale or some, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it allows you to pay a monthly fee, seven bucks a month, and and it has pre pre made uh like photo websites for you. So essentially, nice. like I created, I yeah, maybe you didn't even look at it, Eric, but like I created, it took me about an hour in an evening, and I had a fully fledged website with all my media on it. So. Like, and then I use that for, like, I pitch you as well as a couple other companies, not optics, just other companies that I want to work with personally. And, uh, and then it allowed that those people to go there. Like, I work with Onyx Maps and they, uh, they, they sent me an email back saying, Hey, really enjoyed the portfolio. This looks great. You know, blah, blah, blah. But I've already been partnered with them for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a new website, but it only cost yeah. me seven dollars. I had it up for two months, and then I pulled it down after I was done, you know, trying to impress, quote unquote, you guys. And that right, was, right. and that's that's fourteen dollars, and anybody can do that. It's not expensive, yeah, right? It exactly. takes a little bit of effort, and then you have a portfolio that somebody can go look at. Because I mean, totally. I, like, they're always going to check your socials, right? You guys are always yep. going to go look at the socials and see what's going on there. But like Instagram, it's a decent portfolio. But unless you're like a like high end professional photographer and all you do is post really high end photos, to me it's not like the best the best spot to be at. Yeah, exactly. You want to have you want to have a like you said a portfolio where someone can yep. go to a website and here's his portfolio. Of That's his a great website. point. A, a, a website, a, a portfolio, and a social media platform, whether it's any of the main ones, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. A, a social media page and a portfolio are not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm glad I made that website then. Exactly. I'll, right now. I'll, yep. I'll figure out what and, it is too. 
And there's even ways, you know, like, like for example, maybe do a, a free Weebly website. You know, you can do the, like, website that's, you know, so-and-so.weebly.com, and just because it ends in that URL in that way, um, you, you end up getting that for free. And that's a way that you can keep that thing living on in perpetuity. So there's ways that you can yeah. do it free of charge, and there's no right or wrong way uh, to go about doing it. But I think just having something that you can provide people goes a really long way. Yeah, I I would definitely agree. Uh, it's Carbon Made for anybody listening. Carbon, carbon Made, made. Yeah. yeah, CarbonMade.com, and then you can you just get a get a whatever. You know what's funny is when I tried to cancel it, they didn't have a cancel button. So I like <laughs> so I emailed them. I said, Hey, how do I cancel this? And they're like, Oh, sorry, at this moment in time, we don't have a cancellation. Please tell us your website URL, and we will cancel it. I was like, are you serious? What a genius business idea. Give people, <laughs> right? Take people's like, money and then don't let them cancel. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, it's months and months, but you can't cancel. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that, that makes sense. So what other, what other things, uh, what other things can people do that are, that are like a huge kind of turnoff? You, you know, you kind of said no idea, like no real portfolio, no real, hard idea you you haven't even started anything is there yep. anything else that really is kind of like man like i don't even want to like yeah max man aside from the nightmare s- stories which are like when people either get aggressive after they after you uh politely decline them or um you know for instance <laughs> maybe maybe somebody reaches out and you know they they name drop uh you know, you can tell that they're copying and pasting from different company to different company because they forgot to change the name. We've seen that before. <laughs> that's that's always pretty funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, both of those are, are obviously immediate, you know, polite declines. I mean, we, we understand that happens. Um, not necessarily probably the best way to go about doing it. But, uh, yeah. and we're not going to beat, you know, verbally verbally beat anybody up about it, but, you know, it's just probably not the best brand fit. And who knows, maybe maybe two years down the road, that person comes back and they've uh, made some changes and polished up their product and have something, you know, in the hopper ready to go, and maybe maybe then it ends up working out. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like, um, we, we do a really good job of keeping people um, – we're, we're aware of the people that have reached out – we have software that helps us track all that stuff. We have, you know, documents that are living, breathing documents that kind of help us figure out who the folks are that communicate with us on a regular basis. And uh, then we're obviously able to track that, where if someone reaches out one year and it's a no, but then they reach out the next year and they maybe have a couple things worked up, then, you know, we have that discussion. You know, just like you never sign somebody on for forever because people can mess up, you never say no to sure. anybody forever. <clears throat> yeah. So, no, I I would agree. When and to add to your point of, uh, I would imagine this is the truth. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth because I've never been on your end of things. But like, you never want to burn that bridge and like you never kind of get get really aggressive because then it's yep. just like, all right, like I know who you truly are now. So yeah, get out of here. Yep, never. I mean, I, the the hunting and, and shooting industry, especially, is such a small one. Um, just in the you know, I've I've been around since 2013 and. I'm able to walk around at some of these like trade shows and I, 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 I know people are my friends and I, and it, that just goes to show how quickly some of these bridges that if you burn them, you're really not, you're doing yourself a disservice. So never do that. I mean, that goes just for life in general. Like 
don't be a dick. You know, <laughs> if there's one thing that comes <laughs> out of this, just don't don't be a dick. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Like, I mean, yeah, because you know, what if what if like you know people people get aggressive with you, Eric? Like personally, like they they start coming after you, and they're like, well, really, you gave this person this, and you gave that person that. Like, you guys are a bunch of losers. Like, this is bullshit. I'm going to loophole. Blah blah blah. And your best friend is the marketing manager at Loophole. You know, right, exactly. So you just give him a call and be like, hey, this guy's coming to you. FYI, he's a yeah. dick. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep, you, you know, never know then, people know. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, like it's the golden rule. Like treat people how you hope people treat you. I mean, it's, it, there's a reason yeah. that that's been around for forever. It's not a, not a science. I think, I think anybody can relate to that in their own profession because I know in my – in my profession, there's other salespeople and other project managers that I know personally that work for other companies, and they hop around kind of like people do in the hunting industry, and uh, and like you just you you after a couple of years you're like yeah that guy's there's a reason he hops around all the time because nobody yeah. likes him and he can't stay anywhere for two years because he doesn't actually do his job. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Any other? Do you have any other thoughts on that? I don't. I, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered it. Like, provide value, have a portfolio, you know, stand out when you send an email or an Instagram, and interact well with the person that you're trying to uh, partner with. You know, if you're going after Vortex, stay in touch with them on Facebook, Instagram. Go to the events, meet them in person. You know, don't half-ass kind of your emails or anything like that, like actually put some thoughts, put some ambition into them. And even if you get turned down, stay persistent. Exactly. Not to the point where you're bugging you every week, but to the point where you're just staying in touch every year, every two years, whatever, and making sure that people still know who you, like they know who you are. Exactly. And people appreciate that, man. I mean, I think we even kind of talked about this just a little bit before we got on, on air. I mean, when I was, when I was a junior in college, I was looking at for internships and looking back on this, I can't believe it worked, but I, I literally <laughs> went from like, you know, I, I had people that I really respected in the hunting hunting industry specifically. That was kind of what I always wanted to get into. And, um, Midwest Whitetail was one of those, those, uh, uh, productions that I really respected, had a lot of, um, I really, I enjoyed watching it. And, uh, literally I, I sent a, a Facebook message in to, uh, the Midwest Whitetail Facebook account, um, right after they had posted a intern opportunity thing. And, um, I, I followed the instructions in there, um, submitted my, uh, my application. And then I even kind of went, you know, took it a step further and, and did some, some research on my end and figured out who the folks were that went through that, that internship program in years past. And I sent, I, I remember, I remember it vividly, like sitting in my, my dorm room in college, I sent emails to people I'd never known before. Those people were Aaron Warbritton, Pat McSherry, and Jared Mills. And that was one of the most <laughs> nerve wracking things, yeah. you know, that, that I've done. And, and looking back, I, I actually, I don't think that was a good idea just knowing what I know now, like professionally, but <laughs> the way that, you know, I was, I was, you know, so innocent and new to all this stuff at that time. And obviously, I spent a lot of time crafting a message that I thought was uh, was going to be well received. 
And still to this day, like, I can look back in me and Aaron's, like, Facebook chat history and scroll all the way back and see that first message, and it's just hilarious, you know. So <laughs> it's funny how that stuff works out. And, right. you know, well, just, yeah, just, and just try things you know, don't, like, exhaust your efforts, you know? Yeah. Oh, I agree. And six years ago, you know, sending a Facebook message was a different thing. It, it was, 100%. Right? That's, that's yeah. a great point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they weren't, you know, Midwest White Tail wasn't getting, you know, 5,000 messages a day. They were getting 10, 15. Right. They were easy to read, you know? But, exactly. Yeah. Because I know, like, when I when I applied to be Midwest White Tail, it was like, um, I just sent... I think I sent an email to the info at Midwest Whitetail or whatever, the general inbox. And I was just like, hey, friend and I are looking to looking to hop on. What do we need to do? And we just got a link back that said, hey, really appreciate you guys, your interest. Here's a link to our application process. Go for it. And what I liked about the application process was that it required a lot of, uh, not a lot, but it, it, it required effort in order to apply to even, like, get a chance is, like, got to make this video you got to you got to show us all your gear you got to take pictures of all these things you got to send them in and then we'll evaluate you you know and whether or not you make it so exactly yep yeah that was i, I did i like that process but so. definitely but yeah so no, i think that's i think that's it i really want to talk deer hunting yeah more, yeah you know kind of dive into it but not on this podcast okay <laughs> Yep, yep. So let's, uh, you know, because I want to talk to you about the early season strategies that you use, and maybe that's like a July podcast, you know, totally. to really, like, drop that in a in a good time frame. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have to get back on and do some, do some early season stuff. And then, you know, off season, just in general, just quick, what do you, what do, you do over the next, you know, three months for yeah. to help you be more successful? Man, for, for me, like, uh, I – I, I I talk about this a lot with with people. I mean, there there's no difference from from one person to the next. You know, everybody like has their same way of going about doing things. But um, for me, it's just you know it, it's all scouting. I mean, I do a lot. I'm I'm very active outside. I mean, that's and that's just what I do. You know, like whether I wanted to be a good deer hunter or not, whether or not that was my goal. You know, like I'm going to be out rabbit hunting with my dog just because it's another excuse to be outside. I'm going to be outside looking for sheds because that's another reason to be outside. And, uh, you know, scouting obviously then falls into that too. So it's just a matter of staying outside a bunch. And, and uh, you know, I really enjoy that process. I mean, for me anymore, I've gotten more enjoyment out of exploring kind of new areas and uh you know kind of like you touched on there I've, I've had some really good luck in the same kind of general area early season in the last few years and um you know it's I but but on the other side of that I almost enjoy going out and finding those spots where I you know can can find that new that next spot that I've never been um you yeah, so really just I have that. miles yeah putting miles on the truck and and covering new ground and just kind of dissecting the maps yeah, I have that real bad. Just like I always think, you know, until I cover 100% of a piece of public ground, I think the next 20 acres is better than the one I'm on. 100%. You know, like, yeah, so when I go out and, and I hunt, like if I'm hunting a new piece and I'm going in blind, I have, like, analysis paralysis. I'm getting up a tree. It'll take me – I'll stare at a tree for 20 minutes thinking if it's the right spot or not. 
And I yeah. like sometimes I'm just I just kick myself like just get your ass up the tree. But what if I move 50 yards that way? There's another trail over there, you yeah. know. And, yep. and you're just like constantly running it through your mind. And for me, at least until I walk in and understand the whole thing, I can't like confidently pick a spot. I just like kind of get anxiety about yeah. not knowing what's over somewhere else. So I'm in the same boat. Like you know, probably 20 to 30 miles over the next month or two just out in the woods and just walking and looking and walking and looking and dropping. Exactly. And, 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 and there's a lot, there's a lot that, you know, you can do if, if you are the kind of person that um, wants to kind of like pre-scout their area, you know, like b- before they end up going in there for the first time, you know, I think one of the really, really beneficial things that people can do is, you know, get on on X and actually like map their, their, use the tracking feature and, and save that track from your potential stand locations to your access point. Um, just so that way when you walk in there 10 months from now and that, you know, it looks entirely different, you know exactly where you're going to go without having to put up, you know, the reflective tacks or do anything that, you know, would that's draw other attention. So that's yeah. another thing, you know, if you are someone that really does enjoy kind of like, scouting out their spot and then hunting it, you know, I think there's two different sides there. Some people really enjoy that. Some people really enjoy the the true at its core run and gun form where you're going into a spot for the first time, reading the sign on the go and then adjusting from there. Then maybe that's not something you do. But if you do like kind of that pre-scouting mentality, I think utilizing your tracking feature on Onyx is huge. Yeah. No, I, I, I use it, I use that tracking feature a lot just to see how far I go. And then I kind of, I'll map out my entrance and exit routes, you know, so I know, like, if I'm going to go to this stand, that's the southwest wind, and here's how I'm going in. Because I found deer beds here, here, and here, and if they're bedded there, I can't go through that area. I need to go around it, and I need to go through this area in order to get to this stand to make sure that my wind never crosses their path. You know, or, or whatever right. it is. You know, just mapping. Yeah, that's because, like, you know, I love it so much right now because I don't care if I kick out deer or if I bump them or if I walk through their bedding area because it doesn't matter. You know, so you can exactly. really figure out all that out right now. Yep, 100%. Yeah. I agree more there. All right. Well, cool, man. All right, so we'll have to have you back on in, in, a, in a July or an August podcast to talk about early season. But, uh, I'd love to, man. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Oh, also, if you guys don't know Eric writes for uh, Bowhunting 360, go read his articles. He's not going to promote it himself, but he's got some <laughs> great articles out, out there about uh, DIY hunts. And I will just say, Wisconsin, like, not that I want more hunters here, but, uh, you know, an out-of-state tag in Wisconsin, what is it, $140, $150? Yeah. It's like a hundred. I think it's, it's one sixty-five. But then, like, if if it's your first ever time hunting the state, you get the first time buyer's permit. So it's like it's fifty yeah. percent off of that. So it's it's truly unbelievable. People talk what? about like, yeah. oh man, it's insane. People talk about you know I I hunted uh, South Dakota this past year, and it it was uh, two hundred eighty-six dollars. Uh, it's a tag that you, well, that's a whole other topic, but it's a tag that as of last year, you actually did have to apply for before a certain date. But anyways, it's a tag that if you get your application in before a certain time, you're going to draw it. And people talk about South Dakota as a bargain state at $286. Right. You look at Wisconsin <laughs> for less than $100 where we have one of the best deer densities out there. And it's, it's an awesome state. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, 
Um, it, it, you, you never like to have a spot blown up or anything like that, but, you know, I, I look at more competition as just another reason to kind of keep keep getting out there myself. And if people are truly yeah. looking for a, a out of state experience, I would I would say with high confidence that Wisconsin is a really good option for folks. Yeah, there's a lot of public land, and people don't think that there's a ton of public land in the Midwest, but they, I mean, there's a lot of public in Wisconsin that you can get to. And the biggest thing is just kind of, you know, don't go near Milwaukee kind of stay away a little bit away from <laughs> Madison, and you'll be yeah. all right. You know, like those are like the kind of the two major metro areas, kind of that Appleton, Green Bay, Oshkosh area has a lot of hunters. But, I mean, if you go the western half of the state, the western half, like you'll, you'll, you'll do just fine in getting away from people. You, you totally. may not be able to find a hotel or people with a lot of teeth, but you'll find <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely a good tip. I mean, just to kind of get away from the met- metropolitans and kind of, you know, find those. But on the same note, I mean, I, I know people who have some really, really good hunting on very small properties and, you know, in between cities. So, I mean, it's, we, don't, we don't need it's, to talk about that, Eric. That's, that's, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yep. That's, and and that's with that, I we cut. <laughs> I hear you, man. Totally. Yep. Yeah, one of the best pieces that I that I know is, like, I think it's, as the crow flies, like, seven miles from the capital, from Madison. So, you know, it's 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 right in the thick of it. Just people don't hunt it. I don't, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. Like, whatever, I'll take I'll take it, you know, obviously. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. All right. Like, I know I know you got other things to get to tonight. So do I. I got a kid to hang out with. So, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you go. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's catch up again. And, uh. Oh, for anybody that wants to find you, what's your, uh, like, what's your, what do I want, your username or your, your yep, tag? Yep. Yeah, you can, people can find me on Instagram. Um, I, my handle is Eric Barber 8 Like you mentioned, kind of the, the bull hunting 360 articles and, you know, obviously at Vortex, I mean, um, I gotta put in a plug there too. Like, if people are ever yeah. in the, the Barneveld area, I mean, stop in, check out the, the headquarters. It's an awesome place. Um, and, uh, you know, check out, check out our gear, if it, whether it's optics or apparel line. I mean, we've got all kinds of cool stuff going on and just even just stop in and say, say hi and meet some of the folks on staff. I mean, we're always happy to, happy to chat. So those are the awesome. places where you can find me. Perfect. And Hey, for anybody listening, if you, if you really like my content, you appreciate it and you want to do something for me in exchange, just, just post send a direct message to Vortex Optics saying, hey, I loved Eric's podcast on this <laughs> podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> send those on over. Yeah, yeah, so send that over. That would make my day if Eric texted me that. Like, hey, yep. dude, I got one. <laughs> it's all in all, <laughs> is one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep right. my eyes peeled for him, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll get this posted tomorrow, and, and we'll see what happens. Yep, so, absolutely. All right, man, well, have, have a good rest of your night, and uh, and I'll catch you later. You too. I appreciate it, man. All right. See ya. See ya.